the whole sort of creativity and learning new things, that's really one of the best ways to keep your brain young. And we wanna be able to have awesome young brains as our body gets older. Welcome to Zestful Aging, where I talk with fascinating, talented, and inspiring guests who reflect on the adventures and challenges of aging and who are living their lives with vibrance and purpose. I'm your host, Nicole Christina, psychotherapist, writer, and fellow Zestful Ager. I want to invite you to my brand new free webinar, Zestful Aging, Here's How You Do It. Many of my clients tell me that they're stretched too thin with too many demands upon them. They are just worn out. In my brand new webinar, I teach simple and sensible habits that will significantly improve your life now and help you age with vibrance and resilience. But it's important to start now. Don't wait until your body's distress signals go from a whisper to a scream. If you follow me at all, you know I'm not about restrictive diets or boot camps. I believe life can be challenging enough. Let's appreciate our bodies and minds for the miraculous systems they are and take the time to take care of ourselves. Self-care pays big dividends now and in the future. And being well ourselves is the only way we can help those we love. And if you sign up now, I will send you my super zestful aging checklist, which I designed so you have clear guidelines right at your fingertips. The webinar is free. You can sign up at NicoleChristina.com. And as always, I appreciate your feedback. Well, I have my Jack Russell Terrier Sparky right beside me and my coffee in my hand. So let's begin. Today we have Zanet Reza, who's a registered dietitian and a regular on Canadian TV and media. And she helps people thrive through the five pillars of health, eat, move, breathe, explore, and create. She calls herself a foodie and a food storyteller. Zanet's also interested in influencing policy in the direction of better health for all citizens. She co-commissioned a survey on healthy aging in Canada and wants to use that data as a call to action for government and all interested parties. Welcome, Zanet. Thanks so much, Nicole, for having me on your show. There's so many things to talk about here, but I would love to start with being a food storyteller. Can you define that for us? Yeah, for sure. So I would call myself a food and health storyteller, which basically means communications. That's totally my uh, wheelhouse, my passion. And so I have a background in, um, you know, public health. And um, I really love sort of psychology courses and marketing and communications courses. And when I graduated from my master's degree many, many years ago, I, you know, went into working at a marketing 
communications agency and I learned a ton about how does communications actually work and what's the most effective way of communicating? So what can we learn from big brands to do a fantastic job and use those principles to help promote health messages? And that's one of the things that I'm trying to, you know, influence a little bit more is to say, when we look at sort of public institutions, nonprofits, the way they craft their health messaging isn't always the most inspirational. And a lot, <laughs> a lot of what I see is pushing facts, but really you can know all the facts, but unless you can connect on an emotional level, you know, that's really where the real effective communications and health education comes in. So when I say I'm a storyteller, I'm really good at taking the, um, I'm actually what I would call a knowledge translator, which means taking the academic science scientific gobbledygook and translating that into simple inspirational messages for everyday people so that they can live well. You use marketing for good. Exactly, right? Like you can use anything like technology, marketing, whatever for good or evil. And I'm a health professional, so I am using it for good. When did you start getting interested in health and healthy aging? Has this been a lifelong passion or is this something that you found uh, later in your adulthood? Well, in terms of the health front, I've always been interested in biology. So as a teenager, I used to love science and math and really within science, biology was my jam. And, um, you know, at one point I dabbled with the idea of um, going into med school, but I realized that really was not a good fit for me. And so my career trajectory, which has been over the past 20 years, has not been linear. It's been, you know, okay, I started out studying biochemistry, and then I realized I really don't like these labs. And then I'm like, okay, what do I do? I, I love food and I love science, so let's go into, you know, doing a master's in public health and focusing in on nutrition, right? So it's kind of been like when you look back as Steve Jobs says, you look back and you can connect the dots. But when you're on this journey, you're you're kind of going with the flow. Like, okay, where's the next opportunity leading what's me? What's next? Yeah, right. what's next? And so, you know, when you're young, you know, when I was in my 20s, what's next and not knowing what's next was rather fearful. Now that I'm in my, you know, mid 40s, I'm just like, I can't, you can't predict what's going to be next. And it's rather exciting because you never know who you're going to meet, what opportunities are going to arise. You just have to focus on what is your purpose in life. And that will really help propel you along your journey. Um, so the whole healthy aging thing, um, you know, actually just sort of came to me this fall. So I've always been about, you know, inspiring people to eat better, move more, stress less, boost their brain power. So that's the explore pillar of health that I talk about. And then harness the power of creativity because we know that there's a ton of evidence showing that if you um, participate in creative pursuits, so whether it's just even doodling or singing or dancing or you know that kind of thing, it actually has a huge positive impact on your health. And in the spring, as I was pivoting my um, business and I run a health and wellness communication social enterprise. When I was pivoting the business, I realized, I, you know what? I think it, all of these pillars of health 
hinge on an overall umbrella of healthy aging. And, you know, when people look at me, they always think I'm 10 years younger than I really am. So I thought maybe I should use this to my advantage, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, if you also want to look young or feel young, you need to eat better, move more, stress less, etc. right? So it's been sort of a, a recent shift to sort of healthy aging, but the crux of what I do, looking at health holistically, I mean, that's been sort of my passion for quite some time. You know, we hear a lot in, certainly in the media uh, here uh, about the the exercise, excuse me, and the eating, but not quite as much about the creativity. Could you talk a little bit more about some of the findings and and maybe give our listeners uh, some more ideas about what that might look like uh, for an average person? Yeah, I mean, uh, there actually is uh, a research paper that looks at all the research to do with creativity and health promotion. Um, And that research paper you can find on the thrive360.buzz website. There's an actual article there about how creativity can boost your health. But the crux of it is, you know, when we doodle or paint or draw or dance and, you know, play music and do all these creative pursuits that people don't not always, you know, we don't always value that kind of activity. It's like a, oh yeah, I'll get to that. It's kind of a nice to do thing. But actually, if you want to relieve your stress, these are the kinds of things you want to be pursuing. And I'm going to tell you right now, like I am not an artist. I don't have, you know, musical talent and whatever, but I, you know, participate in creative pursuits. So I have recently learned how to draw mandalas and it's really easy. And for my math and science brain, there's a formula of sorts to draw a mandala and I find it really therapeutic. And there's a lot of evidence to show that something as simple as even doodling can help you focus and recharge your creative juices. So this doesn't have to be, you don't need to be the next Leonardo da Vinci, right? Like, or, you know, think of some amazing musician um, or, you know, master concert pianist. You don't need to do any of that. As long as you learn and just learn to, you know, do something fun that you really enjoy, it will actually help your health. And if you can do that in a class with other people, with friends, whatever, that actually helps boost your brain power and brain health. And so again, that's the explore part of things. It's all interrelated, right? Like it's, it's uh, just like, kind of giving yourself a total lifestyle makeover. So <laughs> kind of downplay the the nine to five type job, unless you totally love it like I do, right? Um, but really trying to get that self-care and me time and fun back into life. Like that's really the key to healthy aging is just trying to have more fun. <laughs> oh, I love that yeah. message. And I, I've been treating eating disorders for about 30 years. So that's basically the opposite of fun and um, not for me, but for my clients. And that's a message that I really resonate. Where's the pleasure? Where's the joy? And, you know, the creativity is so interesting and it makes me think of how we evolved as humans. And I suspect that there's a reason our brain needs to be creative so we could survive and try new things and, and evolve. Yeah, I mean, the whole sort of creativity and learning new things, that's really one of the best ways to keep your brain young. And we want to be able to have awesome young brains as our body 
you know, gets older. Um, the other thing I wanted to share with you was, and I know, you know, people are listening to this all over the world, but I can give you a Canadian perspective because I live in Canada, um, is I recently co-commissioned a survey of a thousand Canadians over the age of 30. So I worked with an Ottawa research group called Abacus Data. And we talked to these thousand Canadians. We asked them, you know, online survey to say, tell us a little bit about healthy aging. Like let's get a pulse on what Canadians are thinking and what do they know about healthy aging? And this is fascinating. So what we learned is that most Canadians expect to live in their 80s. And when you look at life expectancy rates, that makes sense. So it's like early 80s for Canadians. And of the people surveyed, 76% of them said, hey, we are gonna be fit and mobile as our peers. Um, however, uh, when you look at what they're doing to help them become fit and mobile in their 80s, there's a huge gap there. So we asked them, right, if you want to, if you can grade yourselves now on how well you're eating, only 47% gave themselves an A or a B, right? So half the people are not eating very well. Mm -hmm. And then let's look at physical activity, right? Like just moving your body. Only like just over a third of them gave themselves an A or a B, which means, you know, over 60% are not moving their bodies as much as they really should be doing. Mm -hmm. And then sleep, right? Like there's been a lot of talk about the power of sleep and, you know, Ariana Huffington's made it a, sort of a cornerstone of her, of her work mm -hmm. right now. Only 21% of these people surveyed gave themselves an A for sleep. So if you want to regenerate your body and um, be in top shape to tackle, you know, life, you need to get enough sleep. And only 21% said they are sleeping enough. So right now, people are not doing so well, at least the thousand people that we surveyed here in Canada. And, you know, as a nutritionist, you know, accidental dietitian, whatever you want to call me, um, only it's what I found interesting is only 43% of people said that eating more fruits and vegetables would improve their lives as they got older. And in my mind, I thought, we're not getting the message out there. Like mm -hmm. in, in the There's eating, a gap. there's a huge gap. So mm -hmm. the most powerful thing you can do in terms of eating, if there's only one thing that you do is to eat more fruits and vegetables. That is it. You know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. that is it. Um, so when I talk about simplifying messages, what I like to say is, look, visually speaking, if you look at your meal or your snack, if half of that is a fruit and vegetable, you're on the right track. Don't worry about calories and fat grams. And like, I think there's just so much confusion and nonsense messaging out there. Mm -hmm. um, and you really do not need a PhD in nutrition to eat well. So, you know, if the one takeaway message from this whole podcast is, eat more fruits and vegetables, period. <laughs> I don't care if you're eating a steak with it or fried mm -hmm. chicken, whatever. If half your mm -hmm. plate is fruit and veg fruits and vegetables, that's great. Just work on that. <laughs> mm -hmm. And if you I once you've accomplished that. that, right, then you can move on to other things. I love what you're saying about this sort of nonsense, um, sort of, I don't know if it's information, but I think Facebook is really... Uh, sort of churning that out where you're going to have a juice fast and then you're going to have kale smoothies three times a day. And it's really unsustainable. 
Oh, I know. You know what? It is just beyond ridiculous, right? Like, and it's, you know, obviously not just Facebook. It's any kind of media that you're consuming. It's the latest, greatest miracle diet, right? Like, Mm -hmm. and I guess from a health professional perspective as a dietitian, I would say uh, the, the idea of a diet is actually problematic. Uh, mm-hmm. First of all, I hate the word diet mm-hmm. um, because going on a diet means at some point you are coming off that diet, right? Like mm-hmm. what you're eating should be something that you can do for the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. And going on these fasts and kale smoothies, I got to tell you, I do not put any kale or greens in my smoothies because it's a personal preference. If you like it, that is fine. But I prefer my leafy greens sauteed, you know, with a little bit of olive oil and a sprinkle and of of you know there's some garlic and a little Mm -hmm. bit of salt that's my preference so there's nothing magical about a kale smoothie Mm -hmm. or going on a fast nothing magical if it was listen i'd be the first one there bottling it and selling it right (laughs) yeah right i see so how do you deal with your own um reaction to wanting so much to share these messages that are simple and really sustainable to your fellow Canadians and the world and knowing there's a huge gap that they're not doing these simple things and I know you have so much I I would say emotionally invested not only professionally but you really want your fellow citizens to get on board here. Is that a frustration for you? Um, I don't, you know, I want to spin it in a positive way, which is I see it as a challenge and this is my purpose in life. So yeah, it's a, it's a professional thing, but it's also personal in the sense that I find it really rewarding to help when I help people. So if I dish out advice and that makes a difference in one person's world, I I think that is amazing, right? So, um, you know, I'm not superwoman, but I feel like my superpower is simplifying all the, you know, all that noise that's out there and all the mm-hmm. latest, greatest research. It's like, no, no, it is simple. Um, and let me help people find ways to fit it into their lives. Because as you know, you know, one size does not fit all. You can't just give blanket advice to people mm-hmm. um, and expect them to run off and, you know, implement it in their lives. Um, So in terms of, you know, moving forward, one of the things that I'm really passionate about is influencing policy. And in Canada, the Trudeau government has done a fantastic job in actually announcing a new ministry. They're calling it the Ministry of Seniors. Um, If I could chat with the person who named that, I would say, how about calling it the Ministry of Older Persons, right? Like Mm -hmm. calling it, no one wants to be called a senior, I don't think. Um, I know my mom. Unless you're in high school. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I guess so. Hey, Um, so what I would say is this is a fantastic. We have a ministry of seniors in Canada. Brilliant. And now, you know, let's work with other ministries like the Ministry of Health and, you know, even agriculture and science and innovation. And one of the things, especially on the health front, that I'd like to see more of is more money being spent on health promotion and disease prevention. So in other words, right now in Canada, we are spending $242 billion on health and healthcare. So that's the total budget. And of that $242 billion, 
only a paltry 13.3 billion is for public health, health promotion, any sort of prevention, lifestyle activities. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, do the math. You know, if you want to keep people out of hospitals and out of doctors' offices and help them thrive at any age, I think common sense would tell me to put more money towards health promotion mm-hmm. and disease prevention. And, you know, you and I were at the global conference on aging. And when I suggested health promotion as a huge strategy that needs more funding, what some, I can't remember who it was who said, but they said, well, you know, health education and health promotion is really difficult. And I was like, you're right, it's difficult, but it's not impossible because, you know, what are you saying? The people like me who do communications and health communications and education, we should just quit our jobs because it's difficult? Like, no, (laughs) right? Like, let's all kind of work together, have a unified approach to helping people live better. And just, I guess what I would say is to government and other policymakers, is to just tip the balance in that bucket of healthcare spending. Mm-hmm. So instead of 13.3 billion, I don't know, maybe splurge and put like 50 billion, right? <laughs> like, I, I'm just saying, these are just numbers that I'm just making up. Obviously, they need to be more, um, I guess, uh, informed. But I think we're just looking at aging uh, and healthy aging in a way that I don't know if we're going to accomplish what we want to accomplish without, you know, if you keep doing the same things over and over again, you cannot expect a different result is mm-hmm. all I'm saying. Mm-hmm. And we know there's a huge strain on the healthcare system here in Canada, and I'm sure in countries around the world. Mm-hmm. And especially as people get older, it's going to strain the system even more. Mm-hmm. And unless we're smart about how we're spending that money and how right. we're inspiring people to live healthier. So if you were the um, the captain of ministry for seniors, what would be top on your agenda in terms well, of prevention? What would you like to see focused on? Well, I think what I what I would do, and I have um, very briefly met the minister for seniors, Philomena Tassi, who's doing a fantastic job. Um, I think what I would do if I'm focusing on the health promotion side of things is to sit down and bring like-minded people together on a round table to say, listen, this is the challenge, and how can we all work together to address this challenge? Because one of the things that I'm seeing in Canada, and I'm sure in other countries as well, is you know, when you look at, say, the Heart and Stroke Foundation or Canadian Cancer and all these NGOs and various government entities, basically they're pumping out the same kind of messaging, but it's not unified, right? So mm. isn't it better if we pool our resources and have like one huge campaign that sustained mm-hmm. multi-platform, multi-year, multi this, that, and the other, you know what I mean? Like, as opposed to everyone running off and saying, hey, eat this way for cancer prevention, or hey, eat this way for heart health. It's the same right. stuff, right? It's the same kind of messaging. So can we just pool those resources and use them smartly so it's like one unified campaign. So I don't think we can work alone. We're now in the age of a collaborative economy. You know, more people that work together will create a more powerful effect. And so if I was the minister, and really I have no interest in being the minister, but mm-hmm. if I if I could advise the minister or mm-hmm. people who are in that healthy aging sphere is to say, let's all sit down and have a conversation and pool our resources. So, you know, people have different strengths, different groups have different 
um, strengths. Let's bring that all together and build something fantastic. Coherent. Something coherent. coherent. Now, yes. do, I mean, is it another problem in your country access to fresh vegetables and fruits or is not so much a problem for you? Well, you know what? Definitely in our northern communities, access to fresh fruits and vegetable uh, vegetables that's a huge huge issue um i i've heard from colleagues and friends and family who've been to you know northern parts of canada so we're talking the territories um and you know you will get a head of lettuce that is $13 or even $20 right whereas we are so lucky in the city i live in toronto and you can get a head of lettuce for $1.99, right? Mm-hmm. So when you've got a limited household food budget, you're going to double think about buying that lettuce or even a bag of carrots, right? Which really should be so affordable, but it, it's an issue. But I think this is uh, an opportunity for innovation. And there are really awesome food innovations that are happening. And I'll give you an example. I ran across this um, new entity. It's a vertical farm. So it's kind of like a greenhouse, but doesn't run the same way as a greenhouse. It's a vertical farm. It's called, um, the company's called True Leaf and they're out of Nova Scotia. And I heard their CEO, Greg Kerwin talk. And, you know, I think this is the food production of the future, like especially in terms of growing leafy greens. And he is also about let's help feed people more of these leafy vegetables, right? Mm -hmm. Which makes a ton of sense. So you could take something like this vertical farm, take it up to the north, Mm -hmm. and then you would have access to fresh fruits and vegetables. I mean, right now it's the vegetables, but you know, there are definitely there's innovations out there. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm working to build a project to help highlight some of this so that, you know, let's all start working together a little bit more. Like I know there's efforts in doing that, but you know, let's get that message out there. Let's pool our resources and work together. It sounds like there's so many places that you might intervene to, um, you know, to help the health um, of of your fellow Canadians. There's so many projects and I can hear you like bubbling over with excitement. <laughs> Do you ever have to sort of push yourself away from your work desk and say, now I take a walk or now I take a nap or now I get my doodling. Uh, is it is it a challenge for you to take a break? Well, you know what? It's, uh, it's actually lovely that you brought that up because um, in the past, it has been a challenge. And so I launched this new business, Thrive 360, two and a half years ago. It's coming up to three years. And I had... So, I mean, I still have a lot of passion, but I had so much energy and I like moving at warp speed, right? Like I, that is kind of my, oh my gosh, I have a great idea. Let's run with it. Yes. And not everyone runs or operates at warp speed, which I have since learned. (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. But having said that, uh, it was quite ironic that, you know, I tell people to take it easy, stress less, la la la, whatever. Um, I actually burnt out last September and I, I just it didn't compute for me. I'm like, I don't understand why I have such low energy. Like I, I've lost my enthusiasm. And I really don't understand this, but I'm going to snap out of it any day, any day I'm going to snap mm-hmm. out of this. Um, and you know, as a health professional, sometimes we're the worst at taking our, taking our own advice. For sure. Right. And uh, what I've learned is I may have superpowers, but I am not superwoman or superhuman. And, um, 
burning out spiraled into anxiety and depression and we had three family health issues that I had to deal with. And so I actually had stopped working uh, last fall and into the winter. And, you know, I'm very thankful that I had, I got the help that I needed. And, you know, May of 2018, I was back at it. But I really do have to uh, tamper down that warp speed a little bit. And I really do focus on self-care for myself because I can't save the world unless I save myself, right? Like, it's, And this is a theme yeah. that is, you know, I've interviewed so many ambitious, excited, passionate, talented women. And this is basically what they have all come to, exactly what you're saying. Yeah. And, you know, I've got children, right? Like I have an 11 year old and a 15 year old. And, you know, the emotional energy that you need to deal with kids at this age, uh, I, I was not prepared for. Uh, I've got a hand, um, mostly on most days I have a handle on it. But putting myself first, uh, which honestly does not come naturally to me, but putting myself first has been the best strategy to, you know, take care of myself, take care of my business, my family. So uh, it's been an incredible learning opportunity because when I was in the depths of my depression, I didn't understand why this was happening to me. I thought, I don't get it. Like, how did I get to this point? You know, I'm a health professional. I don't understand this. Um, But having climbed out of that deep, dark hole and, you know, I'm in a great place right now. I, I look back and I think, I think the reason that happened to me is now I can empathize with people who are in a similar situation, right? Or who are struggling and don't have the energy. And we may be pushing all these health messages at them, but it's just not driving with where they are psychologically, physically, mentally, like whatever, right? So I'm really, um, I'm a lot more sensitive to that type of issue now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think that's so important because um, I don't know the stats for Canada, but in the U.S., we are the most anxious, depressed cohort to ever walk the face of the earth. And something like one out of four Americans is on some kind of uh, mood, uh, psychotropic medication, depression, anxiety, a combination. So mm. we, as a society, know that things are not well. You know what, I'm sure the numbers are similar in Canada. I do know when I've seen the Canadian Mental Health Association um, with their mental health awareness program come out, it's one in five Canadians have a mental health challenge. Mm -hmm. And as you know, this is such a complex topic and situation. And one solution is not going to fix it all. Mm -hmm. I think the first, I think their campaign in terms of ending the stigma around saying, hey, I have challenges with my mental health. Because, you know, if someone says, oh, I broke my foot or I have cancer or whatever, people have a lot of sympathy, right? Or empathy. Mm-hmm. But the minute you say, oh, I have a mental health challenge, then it's like, oh, I'm not sure how to relate to you, mm-hmm. right? Like, are you the same person? Like, how does this work? Uh-huh. So I think the, the more of us who have had challenges and have come up with strategies to manage our busy, busy lives um, so we can, you know, operate at like not super warp speed, but, you know, a, a half warp speed. A half, well, I don't want to say half, but, you know, like a controllable warp, warp speed. <laughs> you don't want to commit to half, it sounds like. 
Well, I mean, maybe I'll get there one day, but right now I feel like it's a manageable warp speed. Uh Um, But I think the more we talk about it, the more people can feel like, hey, I'm not alone. Mm -hmm. And, you know, as you know, the loneliness issue is huge Mm -hmm. to the point where the UK, they now have a minister, I think it's a minister of loneliness or a ministry of loneliness, right? So loneliness and, and I think, you know, when we look at how we use technology, Yes, we're on social media, but really, is it all that social, right? Like we're losing some of the social fabric that ties us together as friends, neighbors, communities, city, like as a society, we're losing that a little bit, Mm -hmm. right? So I think that has huge impact on health, right? Being lonely is, I forget the actual stat, but it it has a huge impact on um, like early death. It's worse than smoking. Right, right? It's like sitting, being lonely. Yeah, you might as well smoke. I mean, don't smoke. But you know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's huge, huge. And actually, just this week, um, I forget which group it is, but in the city of Toronto, they talk to young people, so under the age of 30, to say, do you know your friends and neighbors? Oh, sorry, not your friends. Do you know your neighbors? And a huge percentage had no idea who their neighbors were, right? So we've lost that kind of social fabric. And they talk about building social capital. And I'm like, okay, that's just a fancy way of saying relationships, right? So (laughs) we need to focus on building relationships with our neighbors, people that look and think differently from us because if we just hang out with the same old people who think and look like us, mm-hmm. I don't think that's any good either, right? Like, mm-hmm. I, I think you can get different perspectives and build a more cohesive society if we actually start hanging out with people who are different. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You're preaching to the converted. Everything you're saying <laughs> is like, you know, I love your message. And I have a course called Simple and Sustainable Um habits because it's got to be usable it's got to fit into a regular person's day with all of the challenges with work and family and getting something on the table that isn't from a drive-through and not sitting in front of the tv you know i mean there's just a lot of places to intervene to to sort of notch things up um, in the direction of better health. And it doesn't take, as I love your message, it doesn't take like a a, a PhD or a major, major overhaul. Some of these things are tweaks. Some of them are putting the phone away while you're eating and not even on the table because that's still distracting. Just little things to make, um, they really do add up. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, at our house, we ban phones at the table. Like, that is just completely inappropriate and ridiculous. Like, if that's the one thing you can do, do that. You know what I mean? Um, But to your point about how do you manage this all, I think the most powerful thing that I've learned, the most powerful word apart from please and thank you, is no. Right? Like, don't overcommit. Because that's that's been my issue is I want to help everyone. So I just say yes to everything. Well, not everything. But you know what I mean? Like, But I think saying no and setting up those boundaries is really going to help in terms of managing that stress and overwhelm and all that kind of thing. And again, you make an interesting point, which is, you know, what are we eating, right? And I have to say, like, when I look at some of the public health messages about, oh, cook from scratch, and as much as I would love most people to channel their inner Nigella Lawson and cook from scratch, um, 
that's not reality for everybody. So how can we help people at whatever phase they're at to eat better? So yes, if you're the cook from scratch people, awesome. Here are some great ways to continue doing that and you know making that better. But the reality is a lot of people grab and go, whether it's a you know, takeaway or at the grocery store. Mm -hmm. So how can we help those people make better choices? And I don't think a label is going to do it. It's it's not that. It has to be a lot more simple than that. Um, and, you know, there. when we look at the loss of food skills and people not knowing how to cook, if you're doing meal kits or taking out a lot or eating out at a restaurant, if, you, if that's kind of where you're at, well, how can we make that experience better and healthier, mm -hmm. right? So as much as I'd love for everyone to cook from scratch, it's not going to happen. And I think it's a, it's a losing battle in a way. It's like, a setup. Yeah, I, I think. I mean, maybe we can get people to think about that a little bit, but I don't think we can just preach it and say, this is the way you got to be yes. because that creates stress. No one's going to be, you know, a Martha Stewart overnight or a Nigella Lawson or an Ina Gardner. Like, I love these people, but it's like, yes. to many people, this is kind of the inspiration and that can create a lot of stress. Like, I'm not good enough because I don't yes. cook from scratch. I'm not a good yes. enough mother. Right. And I just want to say, listen, you can be a great mom, but it's just, you know, wherever you're at, let's just make it a little bit healthier. That's I it. love that. It's I mean, the, you know, as a psychotherapist, you learn first and foremost, you go where your client is at. And I think, you know, you're saying, listen, go where the where the human, where the citizen is at. And if they're, if they're doing takeout, you're not going to go from that to folding in egg whites. It's just not going to happen. Yeah. What's realistic? Let's start small and let's not shame you in the process. Yeah, because I think there's a whole a whole lot of judging that goes on, right? Like, mm -hmm. it's like, oh, you're eating that or, oh, you're buying that. Really? Seriously? And, you know, I think, um, yeah, I mean, I've definitely seen that, especially when I've hung around, I would say, in the food blogger world where everything looks photographed perfectly. And, mm -hmm. and I'm like, that is not my life. Like, mm -hmm. my life is far from picture perfect, mm -hmm. far from it, right? So mm -hmm. it's, uh, but as a health professional and people who do health education, I would say first you got to connect with people where they are. If you just start preaching them facts and figures, you're going to lose people because facts and figures don't nudge people into action. I mean, they do for a very tiny population, like people who are scared of stuff. But for most people, they need to be inspired in a positive way. Like, hey, let's make this you and I, we're going to be a team. We're going to work together to help you get to your whatever your goal is. Right. So and it needs to be fun. more than that. It's fun and fun. it tastes good. Yes, exactly. Because without taste, what is there, right? Like, mm -hmm. it's got to taste good. I don't care how good it is for you. It needs to taste good. Mm -hmm. And it has to be convenient because we're all so busy. Yes, yes. I, I once had a client who told me that she bought um, cases of Greek yogurt. And I don't know why I just... I just offhandedly said, oh, you must really like Greek yogurt. And she said, no, I hate it, but it's really good for you. <laughs> See, and I, I don't know. I mean, I, I find that a little sad. Um, and I'll share with you one of my sort of foods that I don't eat, avocados. I'm probably the only dietitian who does not eat avocados because, I don't know, I get a weird reaction to them and they make me gag. And Ooh. I don't care how many avocado toast pictures I see on Instagram. <laughs> I am not eating avocados. But if you love avocados, eat that. 
Um, I had a, a friend of mine say to me, oh my gosh, I really wish I loved the taste of kale. I'm like, listen, if you don't like kale, don't eat it. There are mm-hmm. other leafy greens that you can be eating because mm-hmm. um, there's nothing super magical about kale. Yes, it's yeah. packed with a lot of good stuff, but seriously, you can get that from eating other foods, right? Mm-hmm. So let's just take the madness out of our food messaging here. I love that. I love that. Anything you'd like to leave? You've you've given us so many words of wisdom, but anything you'd like to leave our listeners with as we wind down? I think, you know, just take a deep breath <laughs> to start with. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if you want to make a change in your life, I, you know, and I'm not just saying this because I'm a dietitian, but the most powerful thing the most powerful change you could make is what you eat because we're all biological beings and our bodies are kind of our temple. So what we put inside is going to impact how uh, how productive we are, how we feel, like so many things. So if you want to make one change in your life in terms of health, look at what you're eating. And within that, the one change that I would recommend is to eat more fruits and vegetables. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm just going to leave it at that. I mean, it can get a lot more complex, but keep it simple and learn to say no. Oh, I love that. I love that. And where can people find out more about you and your message? Sure. Um, people can follow me on Twitter and Instagram. My handles on both are at the Zanet Reza Mm -hmm. Um, and only because someone else has at Zanet Reza I I just thought wow Um, so V as in V is V as in vegetable no like T-H-E V yeah yeah Um, or you could check out my website thrive360.buzz so B-U-Z-Z buzz Thrive 360, and that's the the number 360? Yeah, that's right, 360.buzz. Okay, that sounds great. Zana, thank you so much for you. It's, you know, I'm I'm listening to you, your message, but also this beautiful combination of, you know, knowing the data, knowing the research, but also putting – passionate personality behind it so it's it's no pun intended but more digestible more fun (laughs) more accessible and and really helping feel like people feel like okay it's not you know the nutritionists and the rest of us it's like we're all trying to prepare a healthy tasty meal and we're all you know tired at the end of the day we have maybe if we still have kids in the house got to do homework and all of that but you know you really kind of bring it to the people and I really appreciate that about you thank you and you know thank you for this opportunity it's been an incredible pleasure and more importantly fun Thank you so much for joining us on Zestful Aging. If you like the podcast, please share with some of your friends. I love to hear from my listeners. Send me an email at nicolechristina.com. And please consider becoming a patron of the show. You will get access to exclusive bonuses and you will be part of the Zestful Aging community. Keep us going strong. Go to patreon.com slash zestful aging. See you next time for another episode of Zestful Aging.